preaching text this morning is from Luke 12. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Friend, who set me to be a judge or arbitrator over you? And then he said to them, Take care, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in abundance of possessions. Then he told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly. And he thought to himself, what should I do? For I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones. And then I will store all my grains and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich towards God. He said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or your body, about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And can they, and can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your lifespan? If then you are not able to do a small thing as that, why do you worry about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so closes, clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow, and is thrown in the oven, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not keep striving for what you are to eat and what you are to drink, and do not keep worrying. For it is the nations of the world that strive after all these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, strive for his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. Make purses for yourselves that do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. Where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. The word of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let me tell you a story. There was a man, and this man grew up knowing the value of hard work. Uh, he grew up on his parents' farm, and they instilled that value in him very young, um, that if anything's worth doing, it's worth doing well. It's worth committing to. It's worth succeeding at. And as he grew up, he lived his life in this way. He uh, committed himself to school, and he was successful in school. He committed himself uh, to his summer jobs, and he was successful at those. Uh, at sports, he found success there. 
After he graduated high school, he went off to college, and uh, he had good grades, not straight A's, but respectable grades there. Uh, after graduating college, he went into business school. Uh, he got his MBA, and uh, from there went straight into work. Uh, he was single. He didn't really have time for family. He was really more focused on his work. In fact, his whole, uh, his whole life really was poured into his work. And so it's no surprise, probably, that he found great success in his work. His co-workers uh, respected him. They saw him as a leader. His bosses loved him. He, could, uh, he would do the things that he was assigned to do, the projects that were given to him, and he'd often exceed expectations on them. And over the course of his career, he found himself getting promoted again and again, and finally he finds himself up at the level of executive. And as he looks back on his career, as he approaches retirement age, he sees a long and successful career filled with lots of wise decisions, wise choices, lots of hard work. He sees uh, the fruits of these good investments that he's made with the money that he has. And as he looks forward to his retirement, he sees that he will be well provided for. He's looking forward to uh, leisure, to being able to enjoy life in his retirement. Let me tell you a second story. This story is the story of a woman, a woman who was born into a poor and uh, dysfunctional family. Uh, this woman uh, was the fifth of seven children born to her mother, uh, three different fathers involved. Uh, none of them stuck around very long. Uh, she knew at a very young age what it was to be poor. She knew what it was to be hungry. She knew what it was to have the electricity turned off, the water turned off, to be evicted from your apartment. She, as she uh, grew up, she also learned at far too young an age the damage that addiction can do, alcohol and drugs in her family members and even in herself. Finally, at the age of 16, she set out on her own and she would work odd jobs. She stopped going to school, wasn't having much success there anyway, and uh, would stay with whoever would take her in, friends, boyfriends, whoever had a couch for her to sleep on. As she entered into adulthood, it seemed that one thing after another led not to success, but to failure. That everything that she did, often because of her own decisions, to be honest, uh, led to her not succeeding. She would get a job that seemed promising and then not show up for a few days and lose the job. She would get an apartment uh, that was clean and safe and had a landlord that seemed understanding, only to be evicted in a few months because she hadn't been able to pay the rent. Uh, every time she seemed to get ahead and would save a bit of money, uh, some of those dysfunctional family members would show up and uh, leech off of her until she had nothing, and then they would vanish just as quickly as they showed up. And as she approached her middle age, she found herself hopeless and homeless, without much expectation of a good future, without much expectation of anything at all. So my question is, for you then, if you could choose to be one of these two people, which one would you choose? If you could choose one of these lives, which life would you choose? I mean, the answer is pretty obvious, isn't it? Now, you have one person who's been very successful, who's lived a very good life, who has uh, dedicated himself to what he does, and someone else who uh, started off in a bad place, and it, if anything, it's gotten worse, not better uh, since then. What if I asked you this question? Which of these two people is more virtuous? Which of these two people is living a better, in a sort of an objective way, a better life? Probably him, right? He's working hard. He's doing what he's supposed to do. He's making wise decisions. He's the virtuous one. 
And yet in the story that Jesus tells, there's a man who's very similar to this man who I just made up. Uh, There's a man who's similar to this man. And what does God say to that man? You fool. You fool. So Jesus is teaching, and uh, his, uh, this man uh, starts this all off by asking him to tell his brother to share the inheritance with him. So there's some sort of dispute happening there. We're not told the details of it, but Jesus refuses. He says, you know, nobody set me as a judge or an arbitrator over you, uh, and instead he starts talking about greed and wealth, and then he tells this story of this farmer, this rich man, who at least owns a farm, whether he's doing the farming or not, we're not told. Uh, but as he describes him, he sounds like a pretty wise man. Like, he's got a farm that's abundantly providing, and um, if any of you who've done any farming know, farms don't just provide abundantly on their own. It takes a lot of work uh, to do that. And he finds himself at a harvest with more than he expected, more than he's prepared for. And he's already been storing up crops. He's been storing for the winter. He's been storing to sell at a good time. You know, these wise decisions that farmers make. Uh, and, but he's surprised by the abundance of this crop. And so he decides, he, he says to himself, I know I'll, I'll, I'll tear down these barns and I'll build bigger ones. Maybe his land is constrained. He can't build more. So he's got to build larger barns so that he can store the crop that he has. And then he says, and then look at my retirement. I mean, I don't have to work after this. I can stave this up. And he has this line that I love. He says to his soul, he says, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, uh, drink, be merry. I mean, if we stop there, everything about this seems like, all right, it seems like a guy who's managed his resources well, who seems to be doing pretty well, and he's wisely uh, planning for retirement. I mean, shouldn't we all want to be like that? But then God said to him, you fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? This is a shocking story. And I told you those two stories about people that I made up earlier, not because I wanted to lift one up as more virtuous than the other, but to help us see how opposite this story is from what we would expect. Everything about that story Jesus tells leads you to think, okay, this guy's doing things the right way. And then suddenly God comes in and says, you fool, all of this is for naught makes us wonder, makes me wonder as I put uh, funds into my retirement account. Some of you are living in retirement or looking at retirement. It makes you wonder, what does Jesus think about that? I don't know if I have a straight answer for that, but what, what does Jesus think about that? One thing I noticed as I was studying this parable, though, or one thing that was pointed out to me, actually, uh, is that this farmer, this rich man, is alone. And if you notice that, if you look in that story, there's no indication that there's anybody else anywhere. It doesn't even, does he have hired hands? Maybe, maybe not. There's no indication of any of it. So, I mean, he comes, he's got this abundant crop, and and who does he speak to as he's making his decision? Well, he speaks to himself, and then he goes so far as to address his soul, his own self, Uh, and that word there is, it's really a word that means your life as an individual, who you are as an individual, and he speaks to himself. It's like he's looking down or he's looking in the mirror. There's no family. There's no hired hands. There's no friends that he's talking to. He's entirely alone in his wealth, providing for himself. 
There's a passage earlier uh, in the Bible in Isaiah uh, that uh, you may have heard before. It's Isaiah 5, 8. And in this section of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah is prophesying against those who are hoarding wealth and pushing out the poor people of the land. And this is what he says. He says, Woe to you who join house to house, who add field to field, until there is room for no one but you, and you are left to live alone in the midst of the land. And thinking of this verse, it sounds like maybe that rich man has done something like this. Maybe he's added house to house. Maybe he's added field to field, barn to barn, and there is no one left except for him alone. It makes that question that God asks him a little more uh, pointed, I think. These things that you have prepared, whose will they be? The man has nobody. Whose will they be? I don't know. No children, no friends, nothing at all. In a way, there's two different ways of being lifted up in this text. There's probably more than two, but uh, there's at least two. One at the beginning, this rich man, and then one at the end, this little flock. There's these two identities that are given uh, by Jesus here, and they represent two very different ways of living. The rich man is self-confident. He has provided for himself, and he's done a pretty good job of it, it seems. A little flock is not known for providing for itself. The rich man is alone. A little flock is, by definition, together. There's a group of them there. The rich man is powerful, whereas the little flock is powerless. A flock of sheep doesn't have a lot of defense mechanisms other than running away from danger um, or the strength of their shepherd. And our society teaches us to be the rich man. Our society values, it even puts virtue on being successful, being able to work hard and provide for yourself, being able to add house to house and field to field. I mean, we're taught to build walls and fences, literally and metaphorically, to keep ourselves, to keep myself safe from those around me that I maybe don't necessarily like too much. Those uh, neighbors, uh, we all have neighbors, and sometimes neighbors aren't the best. So you build a high fence, right? Or you get more property so you can expand out, so you can have the place to yourself. And yet at the end, you're alone. There's an isolation there, or there can be. So what does it mean to be a little flock then? What does it mean to be this little flock belonging to Jesus the shepherd? Well, it means being together, and sometimes that is less pleasant than other times, right? Even in a congregation as wonderful as us, uh, every once in a while we, we uh, have to be close to people that we don't like as much as we like other people. Families are the same, of course. Neighborhoods are the same. Any group of people is going to be that way. Being in a little flock means not relying on yourself for your own power. It means being free. I mean, listen to that freedom that the little flock has. Jesus says, do not be afraid, little flock, uh, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And then he says, sell your possessions, give alms, give to charity. Make purses for yourselves uh, that do not wear out, unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes near, no moth destroys. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The little flock lives by the provision of its shepherd. The little flock lives by the provision of its father, 
who has already decided, that verb there is in the past tense, it's already decided to give you the kingdom. It's done. The decision is made. God has decided that you are his flock and the kingdom is yours. This means that your heart no longer has to be tied up in here, but it can be with God in heaven. It can be with your neighbors as you see they have need. It can be in your community. It can even be with your enemies, whoever they might be. Your heart is no longer tied up, but it is free. You can sell your possessions. You can give generously because you don't have to provide for yourself. You don't have to be virtuous for yourself. You don't have to uh, have the wealth which will uh, ensure your good future. God has decided to give you the kingdom. There's a freedom in being the little flock. There's a freedom in being sheep who follow the voice of their shepherd. Talking about stewardship is tricky because it's different for every person. Um, and I think the way that God's, that our shepherd leads us is going to be different for me than it is for any of you. Uh, you know, in some ways, it'd be easy to read these texts, on well, me, not easy, but I could just read these texts and say, well, therefore, all of you need to sell everything you have and give to, well, you know, the church would be great, but you know, wherever. Um, but I don't know that that's necessarily what God is calling you to. But I bet God is calling you to stewardship. And whether it's stewardship for the sake of this congregation or the church or uh, there are a, a hundred other and more uh, worthy causes out there, charitable places to give. Uh, I bet God is working on you some. Whenever I read these texts, even though I don't think yet Jesus is telling me, and Krista doesn't think this either, to sell everything we have and give it all away, um, although it could happen, there's always a little bit of a twinge, right? You always feel that, and I think that's God, that's the Spirit working in us, working in us and moving us uh, to give. So I encourage you to listen, to listen to Jesus's voice, to listen to that voice of your shepherd. I don't know exactly what he'll say to you. You may not like it. I may not like it when he says it to me, but what he says is good. For God, your father, has already decided to give you the kingdom. Amen.